you have your Bibles or your Bible app, if you want to flip a page or swipe, whichever, whichever one happens for you on your device. Um, today, the, the main thought today is going to be this. Everything I could ever need or want is in Christ. All I have to do is put my trust in Him. Everything I could ever need or want is in Christ. And all I have to do is put my trust in Him. I was thinking about this in Christ. And if you've been, if you've been in the church for a while, you've probably heard about that. There's even songs about um, in Christ alone. And there's, there's these, these uh, Christian-type phrases that we get used to. I'm in Christ. My identity is in Christ. If you haven't grown up in the church, sometimes it, it might be something like, I don't know, what, what's that even mean? Even if you have grown up in the church, you might wonder, well, what's that mean? I've been singing this song all my life, and I don't even know. In Christ, I, st- I, I start to think about this phrase, and I read you know, the first chapter of Ephesians and other places. Like, what's it mean for me to be in him? I, I think uh, it, it's almost like, it, like if I were in a, being put in like a big overstuffed like envelope. Like, I am in Side him, and then and then now you, you don't see me, you see you see him, you see the the envelope. I, um, but that's even kind of a, just a doesn't even really do it justice. You know, I, before I was saved, I was you know I, you know I was lost and and I was dead in my transgressions, is what the Bible says. And when I when I became saved, I became alive in Christ. Now all of a sudden, the, the, the old is gone, the new is come, is what the Bible says. And so now, now I'm in Him. And I'm like, in Him? In Him? What is this whole thing about being in Christ? I think about like my, my daughters. There are things my daughters can do because of me that they can't do um, apart from me. Like for instance, um, uh, especially Aria, Kaylee too, but she's getting a little bit, a little bit bigger. But Aria loves to be um, like up high, and and so I'll I'll hold her, I'll put her on my shoulders or something, and we'll be walking in in, in the basement. I'll have to like duck her head down, and and then, but she wants to touch the ceiling, right? And, and because she can't touch the ceiling on her own unless Daddy's holding her. And she'll touch the ceiling, or she'll touch things that she can't touch normally, and, and, I'll, and I'll hold. They love it. Uh, Lydia's starting to, to find this, and um, I've just started, like, um, shaving my head with a Bic razor, and um, I digress. No, but, but, but Lydia likes to, to be on my shoulders, and, and yesterday we were, we were out and about, and she's just, like, like touching my... She's, she is starting to love this whole thing about being up high. Like, she can't, she can't uh, do that on her own. And so there's this thing, I, I almost look at it when I'm in Christ, there is so much more that I can do, that I can be, that, that I would never be able to touch without him. Uh, we could try this life on our own, but it is almost like my little daughters, just off on their own, they would never be able, but because of me, in, in, in some ways, in me, on me, they can do so much more um, in Christ. And you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that, um, if you're a believer, if you've asked Jesus into your heart and you, you've, you've given your life to him, you're in Christ, and sometimes we don't even live like it. You, you are absolutely in him. You have an inheritance. You have uh, gifts. There are abilities. There is so much that you get to tap into, and sometimes we forget how much we have just because we are in him. Uh, I, I think of it like, like if I... Um, 
you know, imagine if you were a person, you, you grew up on the streets, you lived in New York City. Uh, anyone from New York? Anybody in here? Oh, right there. Imagine, I've been to, I've been to Manhattan one time. I, I got off the subway, and I was like, oh my goodness, like all of the people. I mean, it was just a sea of people. Imagine growing up on the streets of, of New York, and, uh, and you, you, you were homeless, and you, you, were just, you were just poor, and one day you find yourself in the hospital, and you're on your deathbed, and uh, you're holding on to life support and all of this, and somebody comes running into your room, and they said, wait, wait, I've been looking for you for, for years, I've been looking for you, and here's this, this official document. I, we wanted you to know that you have this inheritance. You, like, like, and it, it's millions of dollars, and it's like an estate, and it's like all of this stuff. Like, information that would have been helpful a long time ago. <laughs> right? You're like, man, what can I do with this now? I mean, I've lived this life well below the standard that I could have lived. When I think about in Christ, I think, man, there is so much that I get to have because of him and in him. I wish, I wish that we um, understood and tapped into that more. Amen? As believers in Christ. Paul wrote um, the book of Ephesians while he was in prison in Rome. And so it's really interesting um, that, you know, all of these blessings that oftentimes by faith we believe them and hold on to them even it, because it first happens in the spirit before it, before it happens in the, in the natural. And, and as Paul is writing this thing in, in prison, he is fully convinced of the blessings he has in Christ, of the inheritance he has in Christ, that regardless of what I'm going through, no, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. No, no, wait a minute. I like, I am, I'm seated in heavenly realms. Uh, uh, right now it looks like I'm in prison. But I am actually, there is, there, I am the head, not the, not the tail. I'm before, not behind. And he's writing this letter in prison. I can imagine that Paul is thinking, I would rather be somewhere else right now. Any of you? Would you rather be somewhere else right now? No, don't. Not, I mean, I mean I'm. <laughs> and so Paul's writing this, this letter, fully convinced of all of these truths that that have been passed on now through the ages and, and we get to read them, but sometimes we forget that he was convinced of this in one of his darkest days. There's a few, few things I want you to... In fact, I think there's five things today in, in, all, in all hurry. Number one, um, we're blessed in him. If you're taking notes, we're, we're blessed in him. Number, number one, I, I, I'm reminded of that when, when we start off the book of Ephesians and in verse 3, in the NIV version, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. And when I, when I see the word us, it, it's interesting because it's, it's about us. He's, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. Uh, it, this was to a specific church. It was also to the, the, the body of Christ at large. And I'll tell you what, uh, sometimes we can get so focused on ourselves that we realize that it's also about us. It's about, it's about us. It's about the church. And, and so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about you. It's just not all about you, right? Like today I want to talk about you, but I want us to know, like we're part of a bigger uh, picture. We're part of, part of a, the, the larger body of Christ. It's, it's about you. It's just not all about you. It, he, it's about us. He's blessed us, all of us, 
in the heavenly realms with every, everyone, say, say every, every. I looked it up in the original uh, language and it, and it meant every. Every spiritual blessing. Where? In Christ. In Christ. It describes, this, this verse describes both the kind of blessings and the location of those blessings. It's, it's every spiritual blessing. Imagine. Now, now some of us are more, more creative than others. Some of us have better imaginations than others. Some of you could, could dream up things, and some of you are just like, I, I, don't, I don't know, imagine. But imagine, if you will, every spiritual blessing. Like, what is that? How, how, I mean, it, it's endless, I could think of. What spiritual blessings do we get access to? And he says, every, unlimited, every spiritual blessing. Imagine those right now. What you get to have if you are in Christ, every spiritual blessing, and the location of those are in Him. I, you know, these blessings are, are ours in heavenly places in Christ. They're higher, they're better, they're more secure than earthly blessings. Any of you ever lost money in the stock market or, or lost money in, I don't know, in in your backyard or in a shoebox or whatever. Have you ever, like, you're like, I wish it was more secure. I wish that it was a little bit safer investment. I believe that this absolutely applies to, to material things, but it goes way beyond material things. In fact, you know what? Material blessings, they should, they should be an outward sign of what God is doing in you and through you. That I'm blessed, but it's, it's, it's a deeper thing. It starts at a deeper, every spiritual blessing in him. The blessings in Christ are higher, better, and more secure. I, so I started to think about that. I started to think about being blessed in him. And, and then two, I started to think a few verses later, chosen in him. Number two, Ephesians 1 Verse 4 through 5, it says this in the NIV. It says, for those, or I'm sorry, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I love this idea that he chose he chose. In fact, in, in, um, in the Gospel of John, in John 15, it says that, that you did not choose him. He chose you. It's an interesting thing because in, especially in a, in a culture where, where it's all about choice, right? It's all about, you know, I choose. And, and, I, you, know, and, and you go to Burger King, you get to have it your way. And, you know, all of these things. Like, like it, it's really all about me. It's all about the consumer. I, I love this, that he just takes, takes all the questions out of it. And he says, guess what? You didn't choose me, I chose you. I know you think you chose me, but no, really, I chose you. I chose you. That's what John chapter 15 says. Um, there's, a, there's a pastor in Dallas that I've, I've loved for years. I've, I've really loved uh, how, he, how he puts things and how he preaches. His name's Tony Evans. And he's actually been a chaplain for, um, for big uh, uh, sports clubs like NFL and, and the NBA and all of that. Um, great guy. And so I want to read just a couple paragraphs. We were, we were uh, doing a devotional that he, 
uh, that he wrote. He wrote this. He says, every spring, the NFL holds an annual draft. Anybody ever watch the annual NFL draft? Amazing. Okay. General managers and head coaches from each team attend, and round by round, draft players to join their team. Each player gets selected to fulfill a strategic role in the team's overall plan. No player gets randomly chosen. You hear that? No player gets randomly chosen. No player lands on a team by accident. Every selection is intentional and adds value to the team. In the same manner, God chose us intentionally. We were not accidentally or randomly saved, but elected to be a unique part of God's family and an essential part of his purpose. He selected us even before he created the world and created a strategy for us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I think that's so powerful. Because we view salvation, and even in here, if you're like, well, man, salvation's great, and I'm saved, and all of this. Sometimes we just, we feel like, man, this was, I, did, I don't know how I got saved. It was just a random, I'm not God, you know, I guess God loves me, or, or at least he tolerates me. We, we almost view it like, like, uh, like in, the, in the NFL draft, the last pick is, you know, the last pick of the whole, of the whole thing. Right? You ever feel like you were just the, the one that just barely, just barely made it? What do they call that that guy? Mister Irrelevant. That la- the very last pick in the NFL draft. And have you ever like felt like that? And yet God's saying, well, "Wait, wait a minute. I know you think that your salvation, that you're just uh, like you're just barely, like you were barely chosen, like you were like the last pick, or." Or, or maybe you're worse than that. Maybe you were like, the, you went undrafted <laughs> and, and you, you tried out for the team and they're like, okay. He's like, no, 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 no. This is not how it goes. He's like, you were like, you were like in the first round. You were my first pick. I thought about you. I, I dreamed about you. I chose you. We're, we're pursued by him. As much as we think we pursue him, he really pursues us. You know, you, you think of maybe there's been these times, whether it be in church or in your car or, or in your bedroom or whatever, where you're in, in all-out prayer or worship or you're crying out to God, and you think that you're the one pursuing, and it seems like you are, and he's saying, guess what? Like, I'm pursuing you more than you could ever think of pursuing me. Like, I'm chasing after you I'm chasing you and you think you're chasing him he's chasing you if by some if by some reason you don't make it to heaven it's not because God didn't chase you if for some reason your life ends and you don't make it to heaven it's not because he didn't chase you he is absolutely chasing you. He wants you more than you want him. He believes in you more than you believe in him. Like, it's just a fact. We're pursued by him. In fact, believers are chosen by God, and they're chosen before they have done anything for him. And they're chosen before they have been anything for him. 
he'll never love you more than he loves you right now, and he'll never love you less than he loves you right now. He, his love is so complete and so perfect. If he could love you more, then he, then he was imperfect in his love before, and then he wouldn't be God. And if he ever loved you less, then he wouldn't be God because he 100% perfectly in the midst of whatever you're going through, in the midst of the junk that you've done, in the midst of the junk that you're in, and and wherever you're at, however far you think you are, however close you think you are, which sometimes is far, he perfectly, 100% loves you. that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I am holy and blameless only because of him and in him. Like, we, we think that it's because of my, my righteousness that, that I'm righteous. <laughs> it's an interesting thing about righteousness. Do you know that you can um, do a, a righteous act and not be righteous? Do you know in the same way you can do an unrighteous act and that doesn't make you unrighteous? Whoa, wait a minute. So if, if I am fully righteous because I am in him, because he chose me and then, and then I chose him back and, and now, I'm, now I'm in Christ and I, uh, I'm saved. And, and now, now, now guess what? My unrighteous act doesn't make me unrighteous and my righteous act doesn't make me more righteous like that, that, that's not even part of the equation anymore it's it's in him it's it's i'm i'm in him and you get weird if you believe on either side of those equations like you're not you're not good enough you're, you're not talented enough you're not you're not smart enough. You're, you're not, like, like your life isn't together enough without him. But in him, in Christ, like you're amazing. Like, in fact, he sees you. God the Father now sees you. Through his son, because we're in him, he sees you through Christ. And he looks at you and he's like, wow, she's so beautiful. He's so amazing. He's he's in Christ. I see him, I see him clearly now through Jesus. This is the picture. That's what I in, in Christ. In Christ, you're amazing. He predestined us to, to adoption as sons or daughters. And God's unfolding plan is, is for us not only includes salvation and personal transformation, but, it, but also a confident relationship with the Father. We're sons and daughters of God. You know, in Roman law, when it, when it comes to adoption, adoption was, was complete and it was complete indeed. The person who had been adopted had all the same rights as a, as a biological birth. 
I mean, it, it, was, it was so complete that, that there, was, there was no question. If you were adopted under Roman law, you were, it was just as if you were born into that family. You know, similar to um, adoption in the States. I've been to a courthouse and I've seen you know, many people... Um, be adopted. I've seen my sister be adopted before a judge. I've seen some, some, even some people that go to this church, I've seen some of them become adopted in the court of law. And it's interesting when you hear what the judge says and what the family agrees to. And they say, say words like, just as my other children, just as if they were born to me. And, and they declare that and they, they say it in a, in a courtroom that this is, I, I view this person just like this person. There is no difference. No difference. When we understand adoption, salvation becomes more than just forgiveness of sins, but it grows into a positive, or I'm sorry, it grows into a position of great blessing. You were intentionally selected you add value to his team. I like what one commentator or theologian said. He said, we were born into the family of God. He took it beyond adoption. It, it was, it, it, it's like in, in God's eyes, he, he doesn't even see it as adoption. We see it as adoption. We give the language to adoption. But in God's eyes, no, when, when you give your heart to Jesus, you were born into the family of God. You're his biological child. There's salvation. There's life transformation, but there's more. We become family. It's not just extended family. You know some of those, right? It's immediate family. We're now entitled to an inheritance. And Romans chapter 8 says, says that we are co-heirs with Christ. The father's son. And, and, in, and in that time, the, the, the firstborn son got like, like all of it. And, and everybody else in the family got the, the leftover. They got the bills after mom and dad died. They, they got all the debt. And the firstborn gets all the, you know. I, th- I think my sister's going to get all the inheritance and I'm going to get the, I don't know. But you see this picture in Romans 8 when it says that we are co-heirs with Christ. It, it, it's not just a, a sign that we're, that we're family with him, that, we're, that, we're, that, that he's our brother, that, that, we're, that we're in the same home, that, that the Father is our Father just like he's Christ's Father. It's not just that. It goes beyond that. It says that, that you get the exact same inheritance that Christ gets. The exact same. There's no, there's, there's, there's no difference. And you would think, man, how perfect Jesus is. And someone said, I'm not Jesus. And he's like, you don't have, you're a co-heir with Jesus. You get everything that he gets, every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms in Christ is what you get and what I get. This speaks to our identity. It speaks to our value. It speaks to our purpose as children of the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And, and, and you can't earn it. Like you didn't do anything to deserve it, to get it. Like, like it, the only thing you get to do is, is say, okay, I'm in. Man, if by the end of this, this morning you just say, I'm in, like that's all you have to do. You just like to barely raise your pinky finger and say, I'm in. I'm in. 
And you get it. You get it all. You get exactly the same as Jesus. And, and number three was accepted in him. Ephesians 1.6 in the NIV says this. It says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I like how the New King James Version um, reads. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And I looked at that word accepted in, in, in the original context and the original language and, and there, there was a relational aspect of this. It emphasizes that, that Paul describes accepted. There's this word. It's, it's the word chorito. Not to be confused with chorizo. And it meant this. It meant highly favored or full of grace. Do you know what other place, the only other place in the New Testament where that word was used. It was used in Luke 1, 28 to talk about Jesus' mother. Blessed and highly favored. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says we're accepted in him. You're blessed and you're highly favored. We're accepted. Anybody just like the fact that you're accepted? Any of you ever felt rejected? Do you know the pain of feeling rejected or betrayed or, yeah? Do you know the joy of feeling accepted? <laughs> of being the one chosen? He accepts you. And, and he looks at you and he says, and you're highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored. And then, and then number four, Ephesians goes on in, in verse 7. It says, in him, still talking about Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We have redemption. There is no possible redemption outside of Jesus and his redeeming blood. It, redemption, it always, it, throughout Scripture and, and, and the, the, the definition of the word, it always implies a price being paid for, for the freedom that is purchased. It always means that. There, when he redeems us, there's a price that's paid. In fact, in some places, it gives the idea that, that we were bought back. That, that there is this, there's this price. And the price... And if you've grown up in church for a long time, maybe it's become, uh, maybe kind of taken it for granted. But can I say it's as powerful today for those of us that are saved as it is for the one in this room that says, says I don't know if I were to go to heaven, if I were to die. That this, this powerful truth is that his blood bought you, bought me. We were redeemed. We were bought back. It, 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 was, it, it was like as if something was lost. And, and, and he goes to the, you've seen the movie or maybe you did this, where you, the, the guy goes to the pawn shop and, and is trying to buy back. Maybe it was to buy back the diamond ring. or It was like, no, that was mine. It was stolen and, and that was mine, but I have to, I have to buy it back. He, he, whatever the price. In fact, Jesus it was his life. It was his blood. And he bought you back. We have redemption. 
through his blood the forgiveness of sins. Jesus doesn't redeem us by his sinless life or his moral example, but only by his death in our place by his blood. It's not just because he lived a good life. It's not just because he, he lived sinless. It's not even his love. It includes his love. But it was his blood. It was his blood that was spilled. You were redeemed. You were bought back because he gave his life for your life, for my life. I love that, that thought. The riches of his grace. The redemption and forgiveness given to us comes according to the measure of the riches of his grace. It, it's not a small redemption or forgiveness won by Jesus on the cross. It's immense. It's his grace. And I'll tell you what, I, it's not a secret that I am a grace guy. I love grace. I just think grace is amazing. I'll tell you, some people have gone, gone uh, to a weird extreme with grace that you can just live however you want to live and do whatever you want to do and then just kind of slap Jesus' name on it and, 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 oh, there's grace. And I don't think that it means that. And I think true grace does this. When, when you have received the grace of God, the, the true grace of God, it causes you to shift desires. It causes you to, to like, wait, like, I, I don't want to think like that anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, his grace, I don't think you can talk too much about grace. I, 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 I don't think that, that we have to limit our grace talk. I think that when we talk about the grace that the Bible talks about, it's going to cause you to want to fall in love with him. It's going to cause you to want to change your life. It, it, grace is amazing. Grace absolutely lets us off the hook, but it does more than just let us off the hook. It, it empowers us to live the life that God's called us to live. And then there's this last one. You guys still with me? Come on. Thanks, Tammy. Trust in Him. You know, the, 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 this first four parts of this message it's really a, uh, to encourage us that are that are in Christ all the blessings that we have in him all of the stuff that I mean but this last part here it's written to to those of us in this room that would say wait a minute like I uh, I don't know if I were to die today if I would go to heaven and and maybe maybe you've you're just not sure. Maybe you gave your heart to him at one point and, and then somewhere along the line, life happened and, and poor choices or, or whatever. And, and now you're thinking, man, years ago, like, I, I think I, I gave my heart to him, but now I'm just, I just don't, I'm far away. I'm just far away from God. And this place right here, this is the good news. This is the good news for, in, in fact, if, if you are a believer in here, this is the time for you to be praying, Lord, would you allow your Holy Spirit to draw people to you. Ephesians 1 verse 12, it says this, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, 
you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In the New King James, uh, I, I like some of the words that it uses here. It says that we who first trusted in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after what? After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed. You know, our only part in this whole deal, this is, this is like the only part. All of this other stuff was about being in Christ. Like, it's all on him. It's, it's all the stuff that he does. And then he says, you got this little part. You've got this little part for all of us. And, and hopefully, at some level, we're doing this little part every day, even as believers. You've got this little part, and it's to trust in him. Everything else he does. And your part is to put your trust in Jesus. You don't get the benefits of the cross without walking through the cross. We're like, man, I want all of that. I want that. It all sounds good. I want that. I want that. Any of you, like, like, like my little girls that are just like, daddy, 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 you know, and they're pulling on you, and they're like, ah, I want that. I want that. And you're like, quiet, quiet, quiet. No, maybe that. Maybe that's a poor example. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes my mind just, any of you, you're just, I want it. I want it, daddy. I want it. And he's like, I want to give it to you. I absolutely want to give it to you. It's not for lack of his desire. It's this place of trust. He says, I want your life. I want you to put your life in my hands. I want you to trust me. And then the Holy Spirit becomes the seal of that promise. It's, it's when we give our heart to him, when we, when we put our life in his hands, then he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Bible says as a deposit, as a, as a seal, it, it's like the down payment of what's to come. I'm, I mean, it, there's all kinds of, it's like the, it's like the engagement ring that, that the man gives to the wife and says, I will, I promise I'm going to marry you. It's, it's like it's a down payment of the house that you're going to, that, that eventually is going to be yours and not owned by the bank, right? It's, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a deposit. It's like, but when you look at the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit, he is amazing. I mean, all of the stuff that, that the Holy Spirit has to offer, the, the, I mean, the supernatural abilities, the gifts of the Spirit, and it's, and it, and it's just a down payment of what's to come. And I, I think of it in a couple ways. I think it's a down payment of when Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I think the, the deposit of the Holy Spirit is just is a down payment of the glory, the power of his presence. That he wants to fill this place and fill you and fill your homes and your workplaces. The, the supernatural kingdom living that he wants us to live in. He says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit as a down payment. And then you contend for my kingdom to come, my will to be done. It's also a down payment of the inheritance that we get. Someday we get to go to heaven. Whether Jesus comes back first and brings heaven to earth or whether you die before then and go to heaven and come back, however, whichever way it happens, he's like, here's the Holy Spirit and here's a deposit. Here's a down payment of what you get to have someday. I want to um, 
want to close with a, with a story as the worship team comes. There was a, there was a man born in the 1800s. His name, his, well, he was called the Great, uh, the great Blondine. The Great Blondine. And he was, uh, he was born in the 1800s, and he was a daredevil. He, uh, he did all kinds of feats, and people would come to, it's like NASCAR, right? Any of you watch that? Because you, and you watch it because you want to see the crashes, right? This was, this was that. You know, when, when all, the, the, when all of the, the traffic slows down on the interstate, and you realize, oh, it's because everybody was looking at the crash. This was, this, this is that everybody stops and gazes and looks because they want to see, is this going to be the time that it doesn't work? And they, they were watching the great Blondine. And his, his big um, claim to fame was that he put, would put a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And he would do all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, this guy must have been like one, one fry short of a Happy Meal or, or brick short of a stack. I don't know. Taco short of a combination platter. I don't know. What's one of the... And he would just, he would go across this, this tightrope and he would do things like, like he would dance or he would, he would take heavy things and he would, you know, all kinds of just craziness. He'd go across, he'd come back and he would say things like, like uh, you know, do you think I could do this? And the crowd would shout, yes, we do. Yes, we do, Blondine. And one time, he has got this wheelbarrow and he took a wheelbarrow and he took the wheelbarrow across the, the tightrope and went all the way across and he turned around and he took the wheelbarrow all the way across and, and the crowd shouts and goes crazy and he says, do you think I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and take him across this, this tightrope and the crowd says, yes we do, yes we do, Blondine. And then he said, can I get a volunteer? And that's absolutely what Jesus is asking for right now. It's the picture of complete trust. He's asking you to get in his wheelbarrow. He says, I know it looks crazy. I know it, I mean, if I slip, we're not going to make it. But Jesus is telling you, I've never slipped once, and I don't plan on doing it. He says, would you get in my wheelbarrow? Would you put your complete trust? And that's what salvation is. You know, there's churches all over America, and some of them are preaching the gospel, and some of them aren't. Can I just clear it up for us? Like, it's the best life ever. It's not the easiest. When you give your heart to Jesus, it doesn't mean everything gets better. Some of the things do. But it means that when you're in him, you get all of that that we talked about in Ephesians. You get all of that. But Paul was writing that while he was in prison. Can I say, it'd be the best choice ever. And some of you, like, maybe, maybe you've walked away from Christ and, and you remember a moment way in the past when you got in his wheelbarrow and somewhere along the line you got out and hopefully it wasn't over the that was might have been a bad example too but can I just say it's time to get back in his wheelbarrow they're going to lead us in a song 
And we're going to have some people up here in the altar. And in, and in our church, we like to have altar prayer where anything that you need prayer for, anything at all, anything in breakthrough in your life, finances, your health, your, your grandma in the hospital, whatever you need prayer, we'd love for you to just, to just come up and get prayer if you'd like. It, it'll be, but one of the things, if you would say, Pastor Jonathan, I just don't know. If I were to die today, I don't know. I'm not for sure if I were to make it to heaven. Man, I would love it for you to be sure. In fact, the Apostle John in his Bible, in, in the, the Gospel of John, he says, I write these things so that you would know that you have eternal life. You can know it. You can know it today. Can we stand together? In fact, you may... You may have been brought by a friend today, and I would just encourage you, if you brought somebody and they just say, hey, I want to go up, and I'm kind of scared, maybe you just come up with them. And let's do business with the Lord. Let's make sure. Let's just make sure that we've got things right, that we know that as we walk out these doors today, that all of us, every person at the sound of my voice, that we're in Christ. And the best is yet to come. Lord, all over this place, I just ask that in this moment now that your Holy Spirit would do what your Holy Spirit does best, that, God, that you would draw hearts, that you would convict hearts, that, that Lord, you would take us deeper, farther, higher, faster. I thank you for every person in this room, and we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. We're going to worship to this song, and while the song's playing, if you'd like to come and get prayer for any reason, why don't you come forward, and in a minute we'll release everybody.
We're gonna we're just gonna stay in this room and atmosphere of prayer and worship for as long as it takes. And uh, you're welcome to stay in your seats or come up to the altar. You can stay as long as you want or you can leave. And I just want to tell you two things. If you if you haven't given your heart to Jesus before and you'd like to, there's two ways that would that for me to help you with that. One is anybody up here would love to talk with you about that. And there's Bibles for you. There's resources. We'd love to give that to you. And if for some reason you're just like, man, I just don't know if I want to come forward, there's a connect card in your bulletin, and you could just mark on there that you want to know more about Jesus. And you give that, you put that in the black box by the office, or you give that to an usher or a pastor or anybody, I guarantee you we're going to talk to you this week. We're going to make sure that you know how to give your heart to Jesus. Love you guys. Stay as long as you want.